Hello, and welcome to the Orthopraxis Podcast. I'm Ravi Timi, and I'm joined by James O'Farren, as always. And today we're going to keep on going with our summer, rambling, summer ramblings series, where we just kind of get together and chat, and you guys get to just, I guess, listen to our thoughts on whatever happens to come by. And today is the 24th of June, and News just broke earlier that morning, is yeah. rather important. So, right. James, yeah, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about, James? Oh, uh, yeah. So, this morning uh, I got notification um, from some of my uh, friends in Orthodoxy, and I went and looked it up, and I was like, wow, that actually happened. That's really cool um, that they finally came to the conclusion and made their final decision uh, in the Supreme Court. The United States to overturn Roe v. Wade, and so that's like fifty years. It's it's gone, um, <laughs> and so that you know obviously that doesn't um, uh, make abortion illegal federally across the board. That's not what that does. But what that does do is that turns over to the states to legislate it, um, which means that um, a significant number of states. Um, a large number of states uh, basically had like trigger laws in effect so that if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, then the laws are able to actually be in effect that um, bans abortion um, fully. So in roughly one swipe, a significant amount of America, I'm not sure whether it's a majority or not of America, um, abortion is legal basically because of that. Which yes. Is super cool that's amazing that's a huge victory it's not it's not the victory it's a victory um yes <laughs> it opens up a lot more that can be done it's like our, our hands are less tied in many ways for fighting for the life of the unborn um what i find really actual also, also interesting about this is that this is also uh the day of nativity um of john the baptist of St. John the Forerunner, um, which is super cool and orthodoxy. So we celebrate this today. And I was looking at this morning, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. That's really, that's really special. And then later on today, because um, he's one of the best biblical evidences for life being at conception, because <laughs> <laughs> yes. he was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, with, Most with people, it takes some time for that to, for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, like later in life. And then and he's like, nope. Get <laughs> <laughs> started early with that whole. Yeah. So I mean, we actually have an icon um, in our house of the meeting of Mary and Elizabeth with um, Christ and St. John the Forerunner inside them. Um <laughs> really cool it's a really really cool icon of them greeting each other uh from within the womb and so i think i just that that uh, became just a bit more special to me because uh I, I got that one in particular because it was such a strong statement about um the sanctity of life um from the beginning yes but uh that also being tied is like this is out like the day of, a, of such a significant historic victory um in that war to end effectively genocide um, in America, um, is just so powerful and so amazing. So yes, amazing things. Yes. 
Um, so for those of you who aren't aware, who haven't paid attention for the last 50 years or whatever, the overturning <laughs> of Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade was a um, it was a legal case in which the Supreme Court took it upon itself to declare that abortion was a constitutional right enumerated in the penumbra of the Constitution under some vague right to privacy thing. So what that means is that the that the, about 50 years ago, the United States Supreme Court decided that it had the right to tell the rest of the United States that they had to let abortion be legal. And what that meant was that constitutionally, the states couldn't make the decision on the road that the federal government had decided it was a constitutional right to have an abortion. So the states couldn't stop you from having it. It had to be legal in your state. And throughout the, there has been other cases that have built upon that or have fought against that. But recently in this most recent case, they have overturned that decision. They have decided that that was that was an incorrect decision and that it is that the Roe versus Wade was improperly found. And there was no reason for that to be that there was no constitutional right to abortion. Right. I think it was, it was, there was a law in Mississippi that was passed that was restricting abortion and they, somebody sued against it and um, saying that was unconstitutional because it violates Roe v. Wade is too restrictive. And so it went all the way up to court. I think that's kind of the background to that. In particular. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, really amazing. So we'll see what happens. Um, I, I particularly, I, I, I like the initial post um, from Father Andrew, the one who initially noticed it from, because he has a Telegram channel that he announces things on. Um, and he, so here, actually, let me just re read what he said. It was really cool. With the declaration by the Supreme Court that there is no constitutional right to abortion, today is a historic day here in America. The abortion of innocent life in the womb is a demonic evil, and anything that helps to end that is a gain for repentance and for the general good of mankind. It is also critical that even more support be given for crisis pregnancy centers and for any organization, ministry, or person who provides help for women, not only to bear the children God has given them, but also to raise them in holiness and well-being. And June 24th is the Feast of the Nativity of John the Forerunner, the saint who leaped in the womb of his mother at the encountering the incarnate Christ still in the womb of his own. And we have the prayers of all these saints. And I, I really love that because so many people try and challenge and argue uh, that, you know, what, what you, you guys only care for, for, you know, children before the world, which is patently ridiculous. <laughs> that's, that's not the case. Right. Like that. Um, uh, but in firmly, I was like, yes, there's, there is a huge need here. And that is, I said, this is not the victory. This is a victory. Um, in many ways, like other than, you know, you know, the, automatically effectively the legislation is going to, you know, take, take, kick in to, um, take advantage of this fact. Um, so in many ways, I, I, the way I see it, like the next victory, like the next step really, um, is demonstrating that care and, um, you know, pushing, uh, for taking care of, um, the unborn and the newly born and the parents of those newly born um, and stepping in to fix the systemic issues uh, that are so rife in um, 
not only in you know, crisis pregnancy, but in adoption and um, foster systems and um, all these different kinds of aspects of taking care of uh, children um, and families that are struggling. Uh, yes. that, that needs to be a huge, huge priority. And I think that's where like, we can take uh, so much of this energy and this momentum um, and pour it directly into that and showing this love that we can offer um, and bring that to life in action is such a, would be such a beautiful thing to see as the next victory. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's one of the key things. It's one of the main jobs of the church. Like mm-hmm. one of the things we're required, we're required to do over and over again is care for widows and orphans. Yeah. Care for those. And that's what we're called to do. And, the church in general does a very good job, but I think we can do even better and we can keep on growing in that and be having that be one of the key ways that we can show our love. And that's one of the things that I love is when churches are reaching out and helping those who need that support, who need that. And Mm -hmm. like fatherless children are definitely one of the key ways of being an orphan in this society. Yeah. Yeah, like there are definitely real orphans, but then there are also people, those who are functionally orphaned and just being able to take care of those is super important. Absolutely. So not this is definitely a win for a movement back towards biblical law and towards God honoring law and worship. It's not the win, but it is a win and it gets us and it moves us towards where we should be. It moves us in a better direction, Yeah, which yeah. is a good thing. It's, but <laughs> I've, I, there are some circles that I go into and it, it, they call themselves the abolitionists, which I agree with. I, I'm an abortion abolitionist. Abortion yes. is wrong and should be yes. illegal. Yes. But if you're so much of an abolitionist that you believe that anything other than complete abolition is wrong or unhelpful or bad, <laughs> I don't understand. Like yeah. everyone, yeah. all Christians should agree that this is a good thing. Yeah. This is moving us closer to the will of God. Kind of like the, the comparison I was thinking of was um, in the book of King uh, Chronicles or Kings. When it talks about there was a good king who followed God and he did all these good things, but he didn't destroy the high places, Mm -hmm. but he didn't tear down the Asherah poles. He served God with his whole heart, but he didn't do these things. That doesn't stop him from being a good king who served God with his whole heart. It just means that he didn't do everything perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) He missed some things. He didn't get some things right. But overall, he was a man who loved God with the, loved God and tried to honor him. Yeah. But there were some things that he messed up on. Yeah, and there's just it reminds <laughs> me in a sense of um like the Pharisaical idea, like the actual Pharisees of yes. it has to be absolutely perfect in every conceivable way. And they miss actually like like they're straining at gnats and swallowing camels. They're needing yes. absolute perfection, all these details. But they're missing the weightier matters of love, mercy, faith, justice, these kinds of things, you know, like right. we're, we're actually losing the main battle by battling on getting everything perfect in the details. 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> Rejecting the good in the search for the perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it, we're all in a journey, each of us individually and collectively, we are all processing towards the likeness of Christ. We're trying to move. We're not going to get there on earth. That's just not how this works. Um, but the goal of, uh, of our salvation is to draw closer, to be less under the influence of our passions, less under the influence of, you know, the demons in our world and the sin and the death and everything that's out there. We're trying to move out from there and into the life of Christ. That's not going to right. happen. Big, huge switch, a big, huge plunge and everything gets fixed all at once. It's, it's a journey. That's the whole point. Yeah. And the, just being able to move in that direction. And again, even in your Christian life, yeah, it's going to be emotion. It's going to t- take time. We aren't um, sanctified all at once. When yeah. you turn to Christ, it isn't all at once. Everything gets better. Everything you're a perfected Christian. You no longer have sin. You no longer struggle with the flesh. It's, it's never all at once. There's always certain aspects which you repent from. You turn from them, turn towards Christ. You turn that aspect of your life over to God. And then as you go through life, you find, oh, there's another thing that I'm bad at. Oh, no, look, another one. (laughs) And that's what sanctification is. is It cleanses cleanses you so you can see better. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you see better. And then once you clean up that, you've cleaned the glass a little more. You can see better and you're like oh there's another aspect (laughs) kind of like when you're cleaning your house at first (laughs) you pick up the big stuff off the floor you're like hey that does look better but then when you picked up the big stuff off the floor you realize oh there's stuff on the counters so you clean that off and then you're like oh the floor is actually pretty dirty and then the more and more you clean right and then as you're sweeping you're like oh it's sticky also (laughs) not like i have any problems with this i am i I always keep my place perfectly clean but (laughs) uh Uh sure (laughs) says james who knows me (laughs) oh man yeah I, i like that in, in many ways, because like if you if you went to the other side, like, I'm going to mop the floor, but you don't sweep it and you don't move the stuff out of the way first, right? Um, you're not going right. to go to mop the floor. It's just, it doesn't work. Um, you might get a few spots that are a little bit cleaner, but you're not going to have you know total victory over the floor in a sense, um, and you're going to get completely stalled. So moving the big stuff out of the way, that's what kind of I see this like you know we moved a big thing that was out that was in the way is now out of the way. Um, and now other things can be done more effectively um, in order to be able to clean and to repent and um, find healing as a nation in various ways. Mm-hmm. So uh, anything else? Like what, what, what else is going on? That's a pretty big one. Um, yeah, that's a pretty big one. It's kind of <laughs> draws the eye, so to speak. Yeah. Um, let me think. What else is happening? It is coming up on Independence Day. That'll be a fun one. (laughs) True, true that. Um, That is coming up here soon. 
Um, I was trying to see if I could find the quote in the text where it says, but I'm not seeing it right now. Somebody had a picture of the actual court decision. Oh uh, yeah, I, I got the um, actual PDF. Um, yeah, I'm like looking through it right now, but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of big. <laughs> 213 pages. <laughs> uh, there's a lot here. So I'll have to like go read it. Okay. <laughs> the nature of the court's error. Like the infamous decision in Presley versus Ferguson, Roe was also egregiously wrong on a, a co- collision course with the Constitution from the day it was decided. Casey perpetra- perpetrated its errors, calling both sides of the national controversy to resolve their debate. But in doing so, Casey necessarily declared a winning side. Those on the losing side, those who sought to advance the state's interest in fetal life, could no longer seek to persuade their elected representatives to adopt policies consistent with their views. The court short-circuited the democratic process by closing it to a large number of Americans who disagree with Roe. Then it talks about the quality of their reasoning. Or lack thereof. Yeah. <laughs> Without grounding in the constitutional text, history, or precedent, Roe imposed on the entire country a detailed set of rules for pregnancy divided in trimesters, much like those that one might expect to find in a statute or regulation. Roe's failure to even note the overwhelming consensus of state laws is striking. Uh, yeah, it's also just like, so basically, they're saying, yeah, Roe was a complete mess when it first got made. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, yeah, we've all known and that. And in details, like, like I, I can just, in scanning through this, like, you can get some really cool um, inspiration for a really good burn. <laughs> like, this is a roast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you don't pull any punches, it looks like. This, is yeah, like this looks like a very strongly worded, and I believe it passed 6-3. Six, 6-3, three. Six, three, yes. Yeah. Um, what, what I find hilarious is like reading some of like the different news stuff, people talking about it, um, and the, the, the ways they're phrasing it. Um, and like instead of saying uh, like it overturned what had been considered, constitutional like, you know, like this decision overturned the fundamental human and constitutional right like well um not anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it 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 it, it, isn't a constitutional right anymore (laughs) (laughs) so i kind of find that amusing um uh Uh, almost half of the court's yeah, almost. I'm half. So, I, almost half of them are gonna are set to reverse. Yeah, I'd love to or see outright a man. list. I know Oklahoma and I believe North Dakota are two of them. Um, uh, Twenty-two states mentioned in this one. I'm reading, but not sure where the source is for that. Um, yeah, I, I did see something that um, Minnesota will be the only Midwestern state that doesn't, if I remember right. I saw a sign somewhere saying that. 
Um, and they're, of course, complaining about the fact. But uh, um, I found that really interesting, which I'm not, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Minnesota yeah. has similar to what Washington does with um, Seattle governing the entire place against everybody else's desires. Um, and Minnesota has that same issue with Detroit, with the uh, um, Twin Cities area. Mm-hmm. So um, who knows what ha- will happen there? Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen basically anywhere. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. With I mean, all the. Yeah, because there'll, there'll be probably be a lot of tension here locally because Fargo Moorhead are, you know, separate cities. But they're you know smack against each other on opposite sides of the river, um, and we function as one community. And so I mean, it's a little bit kind of like it over in you know was it Aberhaziopolis or whatever it was Aberhaziopolis <laughs> and Opium, um, right? <laughs> whatever that portmanteau of all those cities is. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, Aberhaziopolis. Whatever, <laughs> whatever you call that clump of three cities, they're all mushed into one. There's all kind of like back and forth in there, but it's still all one community, effectively. Similar over here with West Fargo, Fargo, and Moorhead. Um, but Moorhead's in Minnesota, so if Minnesota doesn't legal um, ban abortion and North Dakota does, that'll be an interesting. Thing because you know people can just go over to Moorhead, of course, but uh, there's I wonder how much tension there will be in the community because of that. That'll be interesting. Hmm. See what happens. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to have a lot of broad effects as it should, yeah. but yeah. yeah, totally. What those are going to be is going to be interesting. <laughs> I think it'll likely just a, just a general prediction. It'll likely accelerate the the great sorting <laughs> um, of people moving to places that agree with them, uh, so they can actually be heard. Uh, so if like if you're if you're a super um, pro-abortion and you're in a state that bans it, you're much more likely you're going to move to a state that that agrees with you. Um, and if you're um, against abortion um, and you're in a state that refuses to change, then you might just move to a state that is going to change and support them in that. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll end up, it'll, it'll likely accelerate that process that's already begun of people um, reorganizing themselves to align with the, the people that actually are so we can actually agree on the fundamentals and make progress on actually right. an entire plan instead of like, you know, two thirds of this one and a third of that one and a quarter of that one and mash it all together and get no plan. <laughs> that's, that's one of the big challenges. Like when you're, in a, when you're in a place and you've got really, really wide divergent opinions or beliefs on fundamental issues, you can't really go in the same direction effectively on any of the actual logistical implementation of anything. Um, and so you just kind of, all your hands are tied completely. So going to a place where you can actually agree on the fundamentals, having that common ground, like, okay, so now we can figure out, so how do we do this now? We agree on what to do. Right. Let's 
let's let's figure out how to do it. And you can actually disagree and grow in, in that area, which is a lot more effective. Again, building community stuff. <laughs> community together, yeah. If you, you, you can't, I mean, this, this is something that um, I, I, I bring up a lot of people wondering and arguing about, you know, legislating morality. I'm like, no, no. So all law is legislating morality. That's literally the point. Exactly. Uh, uh, Your no stop sign is saying that you, you should value letting other people take their turn and not killing them with your vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's not like when people, I think when people like they, they mix, it's like, it's like a equivocation. People will say you can't legislate morality. And when, and one, the, the part of that that is true is that no, by making a rule, we won't stop people from doing that wrong thing. That's not, you're not going to make a moral population by having moral laws. That's not the point. Exactly. That, that's not the point. Um, right. The idea is that to define what it, and agree on what is wrong so that we can work together to repent of that wrong when we commit it and to create restoration and healing in its wake. That's the point. Um, right. You can so, never legislate to create morality, but legislation right. always shows what your morality is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. So um, when you are when you have morality, that means that you have to have some kind of basis or ideology behind that. So if you have a difference of ideology, if you have plurality of ideology, the ideological moral basis, then you're going to have a fractured law system. It will, it will not be coherent. It will not be internally consistent. It will not be cogent in any way. It's mm-hmm. just fundamentally impossible. And so you can't have plurality in a legislative community um, and how that legislative community persist and stay stable. It, it's, it's fundamentally unstable. You have to have some kind of homogeneity of ideology in order to find success and stability in a society. I mean, you can have people in who have you know other ideas, you can listen, you can have discourse, that doesn't mean they get to have a voice in your legislation. Um, that's a very different thing. And so like having people who agree be the ones who have a say <laughs> on the basic things is actually really important. <laughs> yeah. In order to have stability. No, and that's, yeah, that's one of the keys is unless you have, unless your society is connected and is, shares moral values, your society is going to break down. Yep. It's going to, and that's why it's important to get into a society that shares your moral values. Yep. Let's see, what else? Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about this week? Got a few more minutes here. Uh, Things are going good um, business-wise. Uh, i trying to think anything significant happened this last week. I have my webinar Wednesday night about video games and how you can balance video games with productive with productivity and the different benefits that video games can have. Um, help as as helpful art. I have fun with that. Yes. Um, video. I don't know. Video. I've always there's like this weird thing with video games because 
I will fully acknowledge that video games can become very addictive. Yep. Totally. And they, they're in, in some ways they're like an artificial stimulus Mm -hmm. because one of the thoughts I had, I don't know if we've discussed this before, but that video games, what they do is they scratch that itch that especially men have to, um, conquer and subdue oh right yeah they're they're very much bent towards the whole being able to go out and do great things to go out and be able to conquer Mm -hmm. the earth like my Phineas and i used to play age the empires or total war stuff like that where you're building an where you're building an empire and you're conquering the world and you're defeating your enemies using strategy and cutting and all that kind of cool stuff Yep. And yep. it 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 scratches that itch that we don't really have an outlet for in most of modern society. Yeah. And that's like a God-given desire and a God-given drive. Mm-hmm. But it's something that we've also removed a lot of the ability to do in practice in real life because we live in such a polite society. Yeah. And that if at any point you feel like you've won or you've conquered something, you've probably hurt somebody's feelings and that's against the law. (laughs) (laughs) Like the the world that we operate in is very tamed. So there's not much wildness out there to tame. Um, Right. You can't go out and explore the, and explore the wilderness. And because, you know, you have GPS <laughs> the wilderness is that way, and that's where the neighbor's house is. And if you take this road, you're gonna get <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then uh, Google's wanting you to rate this piece of the this piece this slot of the woods that you thought nobody had ever been at before. <laughs> uh, Except for apparently Tara and her ball and her <laughs> and her, what do you call it? Her um What's the senior ball thing that they do? It's a the prom, right? Their prom pictures oh, were prom. there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's, I think the other aspect that I brought up um, is that games in general use as their artistic medium um, agency itself specifically. So, like, you can yes. use canvas and paints, and you can play with light, you can play different things, but um, video games in particular have more opportunity to play with agency. Uh, right. So, setting the rules, setting specific goals, setting specific failure cases, you can shape and play around with behavior itself, which is actually a really amazing, oppor- unique opportunity. Just like, you know, books are really good mm-hmm. at exploring the inner life, because they can ch- ch- mm-hmm. you right inside somebody's thoughts. And you can play right. around different ways like that. Um, and movies are not good at that. Um, no, movies are much more, much better at uh, the, you know the visual aspects of things and uh, showing you know other. They, they explore other things. It's just, it's just it's right. Just the external. Like better words. Um, the vid- movies are good about the external. The external, yeah. Um, so they, they're really good, at, like setting a milieu, um, world building. You can capture visually um, all of these unique and detailed aspects of a world that's really hard to describe uh, in the book uh, and be able to yeah. immerse yourself. Well, uh, video games are also really good at the 
visual immersive. They're, they're in that the way it's very similar to movies, but because right. of the change the mechanics and the rules and you're interacting with it, uh, you can actually discover and explore things about uh, behavior itself, uh, which lends itself similarly to sci-fi because, uh, you know, sci-fi as a genre is really explores a lot of like politics and um, social questions and things like that. Uh, similarly, video games can explore internal questions of morality and ethics and choices and consequences and all of these kinds of things that are in a way that you makes it really hard. It's not as easy to do in like a book or a movie uh, because those are external to you. Right. right. And the yeah consequences of choices and stuff, and especially yeah. really well-written video game can really, really help you with that. Is interesting. One of the, I was having a conversation with one of my siblings about communicating with another sibling, and mm-hmm. was explaining how some people learn about human interaction and human emotions through reading. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very convinced that some of my siblings, that's the way that they understand how humans feel and how they react and interact with feelings and emotions. Is because that's how they right is via reading and of reading and learning about these characters because it's written out there. It's like this happened and then this character felt like this and then it can go into detail describing this is what that feeling feels like and this is what the thoughts that were going through their head. Yeah. Whereas like me, I'm a more of an empathic person, so I don't have to read about how somebody feels when this happens. I just have to be close to them and I feel it. So yeah. It, yeah which is weird when you're trying to like understand how other people, because it's like, do they even feel things? Yes, they do, but they feel it slightly differently than I do. And they learn about feelings differently. Yeah. Yeah. And books are really good at that because they're, because they're able to give you that internal dialogue. Movie can't pause that. What? They they, they they contextualize it and reframe it in a certain way. Yes. And they can pause the timeline and actually go through all the feelings of dread and loss and hurt and pain, which you can't really do in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like the closest movies can do is they can give you a little flashback, like dream mm-hmm. sequences, basically. And even sure. then, it's not it as like, good as a book. There's also that element on um, movies, like particularly like musicals, right? You mean, you, we mentioned way back when we were doing, we talked about, I think, uh, Prince of Egypt, about how there was someone who does musicals and he described how you, when the emotions get too big for normal film, you right. break into song, and the emotions get too big for song, you break into dance. Right. And it's something that I was thinking about recently about some like the you know, a triumvirate in a sense of classical um, culture. You've got opera ballet in, in the symphonies right you've got just yes music you have the human voice and you have dance and each of those has a focus on each of those um yep and there's like different and musical is like a mix of all three mm-hmm. <laughs> yes but uh it's fascinating like listen, you know watching a ballet and them expressing emotion purely through physical um action and the music that goes along with them and how you interpret it and how powerful that can be and then listen yes. to an opera and the, the depth and, uh, and richness of expression um, in opera for emotion is just so fascinating. 
and all the varieties that you can play around with that. And then you go to a symphony and you just listen to completely focus on the music. Uh, of course, the music is present in ballet and uh, in opera <laughs> as well. Uh, you go to a symphony, you're just honed in on that one piece and it brings it to life. And you, you can, you, you don't get a lot of context. You're like, you're like, well, okay, so this sounds happy. Is this, as you describing spring or is you describing coming home? It's, you're not sure. You have, to like get a, you have to have a key to kind of unlock and interpret what's going on uh, in, in, when you're just purely musical based because you don't have that context. Uh, right. So if you have like a book, you have just words, only words. <laughs> and it, but it can evoke so much power and pathos. I like reading Les Miserables and that's inspired um, so many works of art and music and musicals and all these, it's inspired right. all these things, right? Um, that, that brought to life out of it. And everybody has their own interpretation of it, but they all capture it in some way. So you have all these different avenues for exploring these things. And I think uh, video games are a very young, very new way of doing this. And games have been around forever, um, but video games have some very unique and specific ways that we can explore um, other ways of, of understanding and discovering ourselves and each other um, by that means. So that's, I think there's a lot of potential there that's not being tapped because a lot is being distracted by you know, the addictive aspects, particularly you know, mobile games, things like that can be very, very addictive and destructive. Right. Those are specifically so, designed to be addictive and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. So if you avoid those and then you go, you know, search out those games that are more narrative, that are more collaborative. The other aspect I talked about was how um, collaborative open world building games are really great for reinstating a sense of place when you're divided and separated out. So you're only communicating digitally. Um, so you have like a distributed team or a friend, friends who are not, you know, don't have a place they can go hang out together. They can go hang out um, in a digital place. And it's the closest thing we can have to having a place and a sense of place for a community, uh, which is really powerful. So it's one of the ways that we can actually mitigate some of the uh, destructive aspects of the digital world as well. So it was, it was, it was fun researching it and presenting on it and so on. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the recording is available. If anybody wants to uh, get the recording, let me know in the Discord uh, for Orthopraxis, and I can send you an invite to the community for that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, video games have always been kind of an interesting spot because there's a whole bunch of um, vim and vigor on both sides of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> They're controversial. Oh, very yes. <laughs> I, I love I love the irony of like like you know you, you you're an adult you're in business you're doing video games like are you still playing video games isn't that a kid's thing you're like you know honestly actually uh, as an adult we're we're, we're 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 more equipped for dealing with video games more effectively now it actually should be more right. of an adult thing than a kid thing <laughs> right uh, yeah because kid yeah there's. <laughs> Uh, and you're an adult and you're still point. drinking coffee <laughs> <laughs> right right uh, <laughs> these things as like adults are like really bad for you though i'm like you know video games are so much better for you than alcohol or smoking or all these other things uh, or coffee <laughs> oh yeah I don't know. I've heard good things about coffee as long as you I don't, don't overconsume it. I know, I know. 
<laughs> now, to be fair, most people in Washington far, far over consume coffee. <laughs> but that's because they don't get any vitamin D in their lives, so they have to replace sunshine with something else. <laughs> That's, that's, that's it's called liquid sunshine, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, that was a fun ramble. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of coffee, I've realized that now that I'm down in Nevada, if I, it's not nearly as bad if I don't have my coffee in the morning. You got all. You actually have sunshine. Right. Like. What's funny is like in Washington, if I didn't have my coffee in the morning, I would mm-hmm. drag like most of the day. Like yeah. my brain wouldn't start. But since I'm here, if I, if I get outside and I like forgot to get make my coffee in the morning and I make it to work, I'm probably a little slow for like 10, 15 minutes of work. And then mm-hmm. my brain starts waking up and it's fine. That usually is oh. coinciding with the sun coming up and me get my blood flowing. But cool. in Washington, it would like ruin half my day if I didn't have coffee. Of course, Washington was also trying to kill you too. So right, Washington was trying to murder me, so there was that. But <laughs> but it was just interesting that that the coffee is less helpful here than it was in Washington. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it was funny. like I I feel like that's a legitimate thing. <laughs> Because a lot of what the coffee was doing is it was jump starting your body's systems because it gave you that extra shot of energy and the caffeine made, made your blood pump and your brain wake up and all that kind of stuff, which is what the sunshine is supposed to do. Sunshine helps wake your brain up and helps get your body moving and warms you up and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't have that, <laughs> right, <laughs> then you can have all kinds of fun stuff. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, sunlight is astonishingly effective for so many things. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's good for today, at least until uh, next time something significant happens in the world. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for joining in. It's always great. If you have any things you want to talk about, if you have any questions or just thoughts you wanted to ramble about, let us know, hit us up in the discord or on Facebook. And we'd love to have that conversation with you. Yes. But, and as always, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Thanks guys. Have a great week. You guys as well.